Hello, you're through to the PR department podcast. This is your host, Katie Braden, and this is episode 12. Um, So let's get straight into this one because I'm super excited to get into it. Um, I asked you over on Instagram, um, by the way, if you want to keep up with the podcast in between episodes, the podcast handle is the PR department podcast over on Instagram. And if you have any reactions to the episodes or any questions, obviously, I would love to hear from you there. Um, But I put a question out, which was with so many brands on the market in 2022, like I literally feel like there's a new brand launch like every other day. As a consumer, what is important to you and what makes you interested in a brand? Like when you look at a new brand or even a brand that you're a fan of, um, what do you buy into? Like what is it about that brand that you love? And the responses were golden. Um, Honestly, they were so great. So it was actually a really great case study from like a marketing perspective anyway to kind of get these responses like I have my thoughts and opinions which actually um kind of mirrored a lot of the thoughts and opinions that I got through from this question which was interesting um because I always say to everyone even to my clients like I'm a consumer first like I love marketing I love branding from a consumer perspective before I am a PR like obviously I look at everything from a PR perspective that's what this whole podcast is all about but I'm also have like one foot in being a consumer and I love to look at things from a consumer perspective which I feel like a lot of brands and brand founders and sometimes even people in marketing forget like it's the consumer that is ultimately looking at this and is the most important one so how are they viewing this message it's not up to us it's not what we think is cool it's what they think is cool um so yeah what I'm gonna do is run through the responses and then just talk about each one and hopefully that makes for an interesting episode because that's what we're doing so the first one is no filtered reviews, especially on makeup and skincare items. Well, well, well. Um, this was a huge, huge talking point a few years ago because it's only recently become an advertising standard that you can't use a filter on makeup and skincare reviews um, because it's it's deemed false advertising. And of course it is. Like, of course it's false advertising. If I'm telling you that this moisturizer is amazing or like this skincare is amazing and I'm sat here with a filter on, um, obviously this is talking about like influencer marketing in particular, um, then, you know, you're not seeing the real results. Like, I feel like consumers are hungrier than ever for like real before and afters and things that actually work and actually make a difference because we're just so fed up of the bullshit there's been so many products over the years that's like yeah this is amazing it's changed my skin it's changed my life and then you look at the before and after and it's like okay great like it's just different lighting like what's going on what's going on um and yeah I'm not talking about a horrible like Instagram collage before and after but in the world of Instagram reels and TikToks like before and afters I think are just like on fire because people want results like if I'm giving you my money I want it to work and I want to see that it works multiple times on multiple people if I'm going to buy into it 
Um, so yeah, it's classed as false advertising. Um, and this really comes down to the brand. Like if you are paying an influencer to advertise your product, that content then comes in for you to sign off. If they've used a filter on it, like as a brand, you should be saying, take that filter off. Like this content is not acceptable. And the brands that don't do that, I think is very it's very telling like when I see an advertising campaign go out with an influencer from a skincare brand and the the influencer has a filter on I know that that brand has signed off on that instantly I get the ick I'm like nope that brand's not for me because you're all liars do you know what I mean like that's the impact it has um so yeah no filters um influencer also uh, sorry influencers do you know what? I've been talking so much about Instagram this morning. They're all just like melting into one word. Influencers are also getting in trouble for this. Like a lot of influencers have been fined for like instances of false advertising, you know, not declaring ads, using filters where they shouldn't. Like it's just a whole um, thing that consumers don't want to be lied to. And having a filter on something that is affecting results ultimately is lying in the eyes of the consumer um one thing i will question though is obviously like professionally shot ads billboards you know buses like traditional media those photos are all retouched so like the advertising standards need to reflect both sides traditional media and um influencer marketing like it needs to be a fair playing field because if i'm looking at a model in a magazine where they've used retouching and photoshop like why is that okay but then molly may can't put a filter on her instagram story do you know what i'm saying like it's not right in either instance but it does need to be an equal playing field um also all kinds of trickery goes on on these photo shoots like i've seen vaseline used as highlight to make dewy skin like you know, it's for the photo, but ultimately, like, if an influencer did that, they'd be slaughtered. So, yeah, I think honesty when it comes to, like, retouching, filtering, um, you know, truth of imagery, I think is something that consumers are really crying out for, and I love that. So, on to the next one. It was brands who don't rely on influencers to sell things. So, I think, and I'm, I'm, assuming here because I don't know but I think that this is coming from a very um like specific angle where you have these like big oversaturated like paid influencer campaigns like the one that comes to mind is like that hair mask that everyone was like dipping their brush into and like doing these big paid ads and like Instagram was shoving the paid ads down your throat and then they were all over Facebook, all over TikTok. Like that's when it's very um, influencer ad heavy. And I think that has the kind of like reverse effect. I'm seeing the same thing at the moment with luxury bags, which is really weird. Like Chanel um, have been doing it in particular where they'll launch like a new um, style of bag and they'll mass gift it to like all of the top like fashion influencers. And it's always the same people every single time. And then they're then paid to create content with the bag. And then all you see is this damn bag for like weeks and weeks and weeks on end and it honestly instead of making me want it it makes me hate it um and this is where we kind of get into this really weird cycle of like luxury items turning into like fast fashion items where they're so trendy even though they're like three thousand pound a bag 
you know you buy it's a huge investment you love it and then it's just a trend piece like it doesn't make any sense but we're kind of like fed this mass influencer marketing and it it puts us off like I get that but then on the flip side if you weren't being advertised to which in this day and age influencers are like some of the best advertising you could buy how would you know about the product see you see (laughs) how would you know because if you're not being shown at the product you'd like you've got to see it somewhere you have to see it somewhere um but I get what you mean like having there's a there's a huge gray area in between like mass influencer paid marketing and like seeing your favorite influencer talk about it organically huge huge difference so I totally get what this person is saying I think what they're calling out for is like a more organic marketing strategy which I do with a lot of my clients just because they're smaller brands and they don't have a huge budget to do these like big scale influencer campaigns so we end up doing a lot of organic marketing and it works really well um like social media at the moment is very it's designed around community like you see it a lot on TikTok where you have these massive like million follower kind of pages but they're not known they're not a household name like if someone said Michaela to you like a normal person like unless they're into beauty and makeup they're not going to know who she is and she's got like millions on millions of followers so it's so like segregated in terms of like community based I think this mass marketing tactic it loses its like personality and it loses its individuality and it doesn't work with this community-based social media landscape that we're seeing so you kind of need to like be more personal and build that relationship over time as opposed to like blasting a product out um so yeah not relying on influencer mass marketing to sell totally get that so on to the next one a brand that holds its reputation and doesn't become tacky and over commercial so again I don't know the angle that this one was said but I have my own opinion on this um, and I think it often happens when brands are bought out so if I'm talking about like beauty makeup that kind of industry in particular because that's the industry I know best I've seen so many indie brands like founder owned brands be bought out by beauty giants like your Estee Lauders your Coties you know all these kinds of billionaire brands and then overnight the brand goes from like really indie and like everything that you love about the brand and then it becomes very like mass so it almost becomes like it kind of like sells out because then it becomes mass mass market the marketing's not as interesting like everything becomes like quite diluted um and I know from like working behind the scenes it must be really challenging because like for example L'Oreal they plan their marketing campaigns like two three years in advance (laughs) like how can you plan an interesting like dynamic marketing campaign like how what's going to be popping off in three years like you just don't know do you like you're not culturally aware of what's like going to be going on so how can you like jump on trends or do thing that's something that's innovative if it's like you're planning three years ahead it's crazy so that's why it feels very mass it kind of like loses its magic um because indie brands like obviously they're working on smaller budgets so they're they're working on like much tighter time frames like if I have a launch 
not that I particularly want to but I can turn it around in a few weeks whereas like L'Oreal will turn it around in two years so if there's something trendy or something that we can jump on indie brands had the ability to do that because they're like nimble and flexible whereas like you have these big billion dollar giants they don't have that flexibility because their marketing is locked in years in advance so I think that's where like the brand can change over time specifically in um, beauty and makeup I see that happen a lot um, and also like as they get money just you know losing the the reason why they started the brand I think that has like a huge thing to do about with it um, so on to the next one transparency and seeing the faces behind the brand um so I listened to this really interesting interview which was on um the double cleanse podcast um and basically the the guy who was being interviewed I can't remember his name I really should um look it up but I'm podcasting so not gonna do that but basically he was just saying that we're in a stage now where we're choosing brands like we choose our friends um so like when you choose your friends you want your morals to align and your ethos is to align and you want to like the same things and think in a similar way like have similar like political beliefs and like all this stuff and because there's a lot of like founder owned brands that are huge like let's take a celebrity makeup brand for example like Rare Beauty Selena Gomez like Rare Beauty is an amazing brand because it's got great products but people are also buying into Selena Gomez because they love her they love what they stand she stands for all that kind of stuff so you're kind of buying into the person who created the brand like it's becoming a lot more personable whereas like a few years ago you'd be buying a brand like Clinique who's like they'll have a celebrity ambassador but they're virtually faceless like you don't know who runs that brand you don't know who makes the decisions who picks the products who like fell in love with skincare and wanted to have their own skincare brand like there's none of that because it's 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 just a, a brand like it's become so giant it's so disassociated from like a founder um so I think what this person is saying is like the market is just not about that anymore um like people want to know who you are why you have the ethos you have like what is your cultural experience um and why are you doing certain things like we've experienced a lot of brands in the last couple of years being called out for cultural appropriation like for example like a white american woman selling like um a chinese product and then you know like kind of taking all of the culture out of it but then making money off of that culture so it's like cultural appropriation through that product choice um but then I've also seen the flip side of it so I have um a really gorgeous brand and their brand heritage is based in Hong Kong very like Asian inspired because the founder was born and raised in Hong Kong but when you meet the founder she doesn't look like she was born and raised in Hong Kong because she has brown skin and I had someone actually say oh um I'm not gonna support this brand because the founder is culturally appropriating and that was the flip side of things because it was like hang on a minute you're judging somebody for the way that they look um but she was literally born in Hong Kong. Like you couldn't get any more attached to the culture if you tried. Like she's literally from there. But because she doesn't look traditionally a certain way, 
you're assuming that she that she has nothing to do with that culture which like this is where it gets complicated but this is where it's so important for founders to share their stories um so that people get it and they understand where their branding decisions come from so on to the next one a brand that solves a problem and isn't just jumping on a trend um so i think we've gone through the last few years of being absolutely pummeled with product launches like if i see one more eyeshadow palette i just i just don't know if i can i can do it like surely when you're creating an eyeshadow palette there is like nothing that can come to mind unless you're literally invented some new technology um where you can make like I don't know, my skin turned into like, like LED lights, I don't know. <laughs> wow, you can tell that I definitely don't work in product development. Um, but you can't look at that eyeshadow palette and go, mm, yeah, this needs to be in the world. Like, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Um, and I actually get asked all the time why I haven't started a brand because obviously I work on like the PR and marketing side of things, social media. So like essentially I have all of the tools to like make a brand successful. But honestly, in my opinion, like there is nothing that I have that I would like to put out into the world that I think already isn't being done amazingly. Like it would have to be like an amazing addition. Otherwise, I just don't see the point. So I like 100% agree with this. Like when my brands bring out like innovative products I do like a happy dance because I'm just like thank god for you I just can't see another eyeshadow palette to be quite honest so the next one is sustainability with receipts and I am obsessed with this one because as are you I'm sure I am absolutely sick to the back teeth of false advertising buzzwords greenwashing if I see one more like PLT misguided sustainability range I'm gonna rip my own eyes out um because like what is sustainable about it please like you're literally misguided or PLT your workers are underpaid your products are being made in sweatshops um they're made on mass like they're filling landfill because you're fast fashion and you're telling me that you have the audacity to bring out a, br- a line called the sustainability range it's a joke um also like there's this huge thing at the moment with like people saying that their products like their plastic is like their product is recycled recycled from where like how are you doing that because I want to know how you're doing it because every other person is saying that they're doing it and I want to know how um I just love the brands that are taking it one step further like you've got brands now that are completely plastic free like that is the level and I say this to my brands all the time like unless you're doing it at the highest 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 of standard it should be a small marketing USP for you like it cannot be the lead campaign like if you're selling a moisturizer in a plastic bottle and you have sustainability in your marketing like it better be like so tiny like terms and conditions size text because you cannot lead with that when you literally have brands that are making products that are completely plastic free do you know what I mean like there's different levels um so yeah if you're claiming sustainability you better be damn sustainable because we are sick to death um inclusivity and allyship all year round with proof I love this one I really love this one um 
So I think this person is referring specifically to things like pride campaigns, which obviously is a huge conversation every year. We're just coming up to pride season now and I can't wait for every brand to bang a rainbow on it and call it a day. Um, So like when they say with proof, like I feel that to my core because I've sat in corporate meetings not necessarily about pride but about like attaching yourself to like a minority group or something like that that can be seen as for marketing purposes and I've had to sit there and say okay so what are you donating then or what charity are we working with then because like that it that that's the baseline that is the baseline like if you're doing something and it's like oh yeah we'll donate to charity what's the percentage who's the charity like we need to know because there's so much faff going on in the market where there's all of these like fake allyships you know people supporting like for example the lgbt community like in the summer and then that's literally it you will not see like a single queer person in their marketing you won't see anything like that and that's another thing it's not just about donating like for that one time of year it's like what are you doing as a brand every other month of the year um like who are the influencers you're working with like do they reflect that community are you putting money back into the community by employing people like photographers models creatives who are part of that community or are we just doing the standard corporate photo shoot and then attaching it with a charity and calling it a day because there's like again there's levels there's levels and I think consumers are getting so savvy to it now because it's happened so much and it's really flown under the radar um you know it has to be like it's the same thing as like the plastic free conversation that we just had there's levels you know there's a difference between oh we're gonna donate to we're gonna donate 20 percent for the for the rest of the year you know yeah I like that one I like that one a lot and I actually get in a lot of personal well not personal professional um fights over it because I completely agree as a PI will not support something that doesn't have um truth at its core because as a PR you are the middleman you take a message and you bring it to the masses so if you're going to use your voice and your talent and your power to take a message that is half-arsed to the masses make sales make money for you know a guy at the top why are you doing that why are you doing that like you could be taking a message from a brand that's like genuine and doing really great things like think about what you're putting out into the world that was a message to the prs directly um next one genuinely ethical and responsible in terms of worker pay and planet love this one love it sustainability is not just about your products sustainability is not just about the ingredients or the things that you make your products out of like the material sustainability goes up the whole chain it goes up to you know like who's making the product how much are they being paid what's the environment that they're working in like there's so many questions how many products are you making are you making mass are you you know making to fulfill a need are you filling landfills how are you then shipping that product where is the product coming from how far does it have to travel you know like the list goes on and on and on and on um and being genuinely ethical and responsible like that is a real it's a task because a lot of people don't even know how to do it they literally use like a recycled 
um recycled packaging and then they're like yeah cool call it a day no it goes so much further than that and consumers are calling for brands to go that much further because at the moment we're in such a shit state we don't have a choice we don't have a choice like we have to the corporations the brands have to make changes that us as consumers don't have the power over like there has to be a shift and if consumers call for brands and vote with their money things will change we're starting to see a change already where brands are being cornered into making better decisions that has to continue um yeah like I've just put a little note here that says some brands don't even know where this stuff is made so how can they claim ethical practice like white labeling um you know like drop shipping all that stuff you've never set foot into that factory where that product is made so how can you claim to be ethical because you've never even been you don't know you haven't seen it like humans lie get your ass to the factory whoa so next one which is very similar locally sourced locally made eco-friendly listen this is part of being sustainable like how do you think products get from say like if I'm buying I don't know silk from France how do you think that silk gets to me it comes by land by sea or by air put the pieces together like if I'm flying things it's bad for the environment you know if I'm flying things really fast within a few days it's bad for the environment like you know everything has to be slow if I can get that silk from down the road from like a local silkworm (laughs) yeah we're there then you know that's far more sustainable and ethical than me flying it quickly from France right you get where I'm going. So yeah, I think local, being local and sustaining ingredients for your products locally is going to become a huge thing that consumers are going to look for um, because it's part of like fueling an economy. You know, if we keep shipping things in from all over the world, we can never be truly sustainable. Um, It's a challenge. Obviously, there are ways that it can be done in a slow and, you know, sustainable manner. Like, obviously, we're not going to have everything we could possibly need right on our doorstep. But where we do have things on our doorstep and we don't support them, that's where it all goes pitong. Um, Next one. Who's behind the company, their identity, their story? This is very, very similar what I said earlier we pick brands like we pick friends we pick brands with brand founders who share our ethos it's important for us to know who those people are um and also it's really hard to fake an ethos these days like I've seen this a lot with a lot of big corporations and bigger brands who didn't start their company with an ethos like a lot of small indie brands are doing now and they're almost trying to backtrack and create morals and an ethos for their brand and it's so obvious um, you know, you have to let them try because obviously when the the goalposts are moved and we ask for more, there has to be a process of learning and growing and you have to allow that. Like they're not going to get better overnight because they're not an indie founded brand. Like it's a huge like company that owns it. They need time to change. But yeah, it's hard to fake an ethos. You can see the cracks in it straight away. Um, And then the last one, which might be my favorite one of them all, says honesty, transparency, transparency and good marketing campaigns. I just I just love this because that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Honesty. Just be honest. 
even if it's not what people want to hear, the honesty, I think, is the most appreciated thing as a consumer. Transparency, like show us. Don't try and do this like smoke and mirrors thing. Don't use marketing as like this weird shield to like hide practices. Like be transparent. And again, even if it's not absolutely perfect, there's an appreciation from the consumer, you know? Good marketing campaigns. Like let's get creative let's get exciting like we have so many possibilities at our fingertips like why are we doing the same thing over and over and over again um I think a really amazing example that I'm gonna talk about is the clothing brand called Meow uh so Meow has absolutely blown up like you know the likes of like Devonnie Carlson and like Bella Hadid and like Paloma like all of those people wear the brand Um, And they recently did a collab with um, Paloma El Cesar, I hope I've said her surname correctly, um, which was a size inclusive range. And basically a few things went wrong. Like it, they haven't been size inclusive up until now, right? That's like a known thing. Um, And then they've done this collaboration to bring out um, their their size um, inclusion and basically like some of their sizing charts were like wrong or a little bit complicated. And Meow is still a founder owned brand as far as I know, like it's blown up to the level where you don't think that is, but I think the founder still very much is in charge of like the direction. And they put out a statement and the statement was very like, just super honest and it was like listen we haven't been size inclusive until now we're fully aware of that this is what we're doing this is where we've gone wrong we're still learning this is a new thing for us like hope you love the collection and I just thought that was really refreshing because like whilst it wasn't a perfect launch it wasn't a perfect brand to start off with because it wasn't size inclusive but they were letting us in and they were saying listen we're learning we're doing this this is how we're moving forward this is how we're evolving we're a founder-owned company also you have to remember how expensive it is to invest in a brand like initially and sometimes especially with fashion companies they actually can't afford to be size inclusive because that just means more SKUs, more product more budget so they have to kind of like work their way up to it which is what I see Meow doing I see them making money getting bigger and then reinvesting in the company for example becoming size inclusive which I think is positive again we have to give people space to learn and grow like not every brand is going to be perfect on point every time all the time obviously there are things that happen that are unforgivable but you know learning evolving and being inclusive it 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 just sometimes it takes time for people to get to this like sweet spot but yeah I just thought how they handled it um like communicating their journey um I really appreciated that um and also I think just to round this off and this is a really kind of good story to come off the back of I think appreciating smaller brands for their effort is really important and supporting and supporting them in that effort is really really important where I have a different opinion is when it comes to these like massive corporate billion dollar brands they need to be held to higher standards like the brands that hold the budget that are not size inclusive or they're not this or not that they need to be held to a higher standard a hundred percent but when it comes to smaller brands I think we have to applaud their effort because they're contending with things like you know they might want to be and I'm using size inclusivity just as an example because it's what we're talking about obviously there's so many things that 
um are also brought into this category but you know they might want to start out as size inclusive but they literally don't have the budgets then they have to reinvest um i think applauding effort and supporting effort is really important when it comes to indie founder-run brands because it's really hard to have an indian founder-run brand um billion dollar companies sit in a different in a different box like they need to be held to a higher standard 100 percent um so yeah I've literally talked flat out for half an hour because I love this topic I find it so fascinating and I really appreciate your guys's input into this like I love 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 hearing what you have to say it's so interesting um so yeah head over to the Instagram page at the PR department podcast let me know what you thought of this episode um and yeah hope you enjoyed it hope you loved kind of getting involved with that conversation and I will see you on the next next one. Bye.